0: So we're starting a new series today It's called Open Lies and Hidden Truths." So we're actually discussing today Some of the um, ideas that are prevalent in our society Our society is called a Western society And in our Western society it has certain values or certain beliefs That are prevalent everywhere Everybody's believing these things One of the things that we believe in our society is called Relativism. Relativism. Relativism is the idea that says there is really no right and wrong. I mean, right and wrong is what you say is right and wrong. There's no right and wrong, really. I mean, if it's right for me to smoke, then it's right for me to smoke. If it's wrong for me to smoke, then it's wrong for me to smoke. If it's Right for me to have sex before marriage, and it's right for me to have sex before marriage. You know, there are no basic rules that govern life. This is our society says that. It really is what you determine to be right and what you determine to be wrong. You are the one that determines the right and wrong in a situation. So our society doesn't believe that there are absolute rights and wrongs. So there's an absolute right and an absolute wrong. And if it's not right, it is then wrong. Our society doesn't believe it. it says it's all grey. It's whatever you decide it will be. So if one person says it's right for him to kill somebody. He can go and kill somebody because he perceives it's right. And they'll argue that in court. They'll argue it was right for me to kill him because he abused me when I was a child, and I was just, you know, getting it out of my system. And they'll argue the abused child syndrome to to justify killing somebody who who molested them when they were young. And and and, and in our, in our court system, it's called jurisprudence. In jurisprudence, it's the wisdom of the jury. We, we try and convince the jury that it's right. If we can convince the jury that it's right and the jury says, okay, we'll let you off, we've got a good argument. It doesn't matter what's right or wrong and it doesn't matter what the truth is. It's just the wisdom of the jury. If the jury says, okay, it's okay, it's okay. So that's our society. However, that's not what the Word of God tells us. The Word of God says this is the absolute in this world. There are absolute rights and there are absolute wrong. Who can tell me what the Bible says are the absolutes? What are the absolutes? Can you tell me? Sorry? You you said love is an absolute. Did you say that? The commandments, the commandments are, the 10 commandments are God's absolutes. We know that they're God's absolutes and God says these are the Ten Commandments and you shouldn't break the Ten Commandments. They're absolutes and I'm not going to ask you to tell me the Ten Commandments. I could tell you the Ten Commandments but it's things like thou shalt not murder and thou shalt not steal and you should not commit adultery. They're what we call absolutes. They're Always wrong to do. And you can always know what an absolute is. If you keep on doing the absolute, if you bre- keep on breaking the absolute, everybody broke the absolute, society would finish as we know it. Just imagine if you decided that it's okay to kill people. Would society survive? Well, it probably wouldn't survive because everybody would think it's okay to kill people and in the end of the exercise would have nobody left. You'd be killing everybody. So it's got to be an absolute because society would fail if it didn't have that absolute. Or if it's okay to tell lies, you know, thou shalt not lie. Well, if everybody lied, there would be no truth. That means there would be absolutely no way of knowing what is right or wrong or anything because it's just all a lie. So you wouldn't be able to... You say, are you going to be at church next Sunday? Yeah? Well, you wouldn't know, would you? Because it's okay to lie. And you know society would fall apart if lying was okay. So we know that there are absolutes, but you just don't like those absolutes. Sometimes we don't want to live with those absolutes. So we're going to talk about our society. So if you like, the open lie in our society is there is no right and wrong. But the hidden truth is, We know there are rights and wrongs. I mean, you have to live within the confinements of society. Society says you can't drive at 110 miles an hour going into the uh, city. You know, you can't do that. 110 kilometers an hour, you can't do that. You have to keep within the speed zone. That's our society. It's boundaries. Breaking rules or breaking boundaries is breaking the laws of God. That's what we're told. And so while the open lie says you can do whatever you want, The hidden truth is that you can't. The hidden truth is that there are boundaries that you have to live by. And so this series is about looking at the open lies and then discussing what the hidden truth is. So here's the first lie. And it has to do with us as believers. If you're not a believer here today... Um, it's slightly different for you but if you're a believer in Jesus and you've given your heart to Jesus then this is the probably the lie sin comes from our sinful nature and it's a normal part of life and God's grace covers it who knows what sin is put your hand up if you know what sin is now I want you to put your hand up if you don't know what sin is put your it's I've heard the word but I really don't know what it is put your hand right up high okay let me explain to you what sin is. Sin is no boundaries. So if you have the goal here, and I had a ball here, and I was going to put the ball through the center, to put it through the center would be the right thing, but to miss the center of that thing would be to sin, to miss, to miss the mark. And sin basically means missing the mark. So if you in your life, you had an ideal or you had something that you knew that was right and you missed it, you didn't get to it, you, re, you missed it. If you wanted to live without lies, then you told a lie. If you didn't want to steal, but you stole something. If you, if you wanted to maintain fidelity in your relationship, but you're thinking was, you were thinking wrong things about somebody else and you're, you're, you were immoral in your thinking, well, then you missed the mark. If you wanted to be you know, kind to your mum and dad and you ended up being nasty to your mum and dad and it wasn't very nice, you weren't honouring of your mother and father well then you missed the mark, you know, sin is missing the mark sin is being lawless without any boundaries and we're told it's a normal part of our lives well, you know, how many of you can, can envision yourself living without sin Free from sin. Never sinning anymore. I will never sin anymore. From this time on, I will no longer sin. Put your hand up if you can think. Okay. (laughs) Oh, it's hard, isn't it? Because we'd like to, we aspire to that, but we, we have a problem, don't we? Because we know that sinless perfection is something that eludes us or escapes us. So we tend to hit this second button here. And it says, that if I can't get victory over sin, if I keep on doing the wrong thing all the time, then it must be coming out of this sinful part of me. Who, who, put, who knows that they've got a sinful part on the inside? Put your hand up. You know there's a sinful part. Yeah, you know that, hey. How many as Christians know that there's a sinful part on the inside? Put your hand up if you as a Christian know there's a sinful part on the inside. Mm -hmm. Okay. What's that sinful part called? Is it called the sinful nature? If it's called the sinful nature, then all the sin is coming up from the sinful nature. You see, you can't really get rid of it. It's going to be with you to the day you die. You can't really stop sinning. You have to get God to cover your sinfulness. Well, that's the open lie. Because the Bible doesn't teach us that. You might experience that, but the Bible does not teach us that. The Bible teaches something different to that, and that 's what I want to talk to you about we 've learned you, you, christians aren 't perfect they 're just forgiven christians aren 't perfect they 're just forgiven so it 's okay to To do the bad thing because, you know, you can always come to Jesus and ask him to forgive you. So there's no real reason to really wrestle sin. If it gets too hot, just do it and Jesus will fix it later. The truth is that sin separates us from God and God's grace helps us to stop sinning. The Bible tells us in Titus chapter 2 verse 11, the grace of God teaches us to say no to sin That's what it says, it it teaches us, it trains us to say no to the wrong thing. So if God's there to help us to say no to the wrong thing, it should be possible to live without doing the wrong thing, amen? So the truth is that sin separates us from God. I was talking to a friend of mine this week and and he was talking about something that sort of bugs him, you know, he was smoking and he said, "Uh, you know, every time I smoke, he says, "I, I feel very sad on the inside. Sad, grieved on the inside I mean, it's not wrong to smoke No one's saying that the scripture says you can't smoke Can you tell me a scripture that says you can't smoke? What? Defiling your body But eating food defiles your body, Quentin. You can't eat. You can't eat food from McDonald's and not defile your body I mean, in the end of the exercise You eat too much ice cream, you're going to defile your body So defiling your body, that's kind of a long draw, Mo. You know, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. There are no scriptures that says you can't smoke. Oh, there's one that says, my soul shall have no, in the King James Version, my soul shall have no pleasure on him who draws back. So is that smoking? No, that talks about leaving God. It's not talking about drawing back. So there's no scripture that says you can't smoke. But what's my friend telling me? My friend is telling me that when he smokes, he feels grieved on the inside. And the grieving that he feels on the inside is someone inside of him saying, this is not right for you. You're not doing the thing that I want you to do. This is making me sad. And every time he begins to smoke, he feels grief on the inside. The grief is not Mark saying, you should not smoke. The grief is God saying, this is not right for you. It's not good for you. And he is hearing it. He's hearing the grieving. So the grieving tells us something that God is there by his grace to help us to stop. To make you feel unhappy and uncomfortable about the things that are wrong for you. And so he's there, he's there, and if you listen to him and obey him, you will walk in harmony with him. But if you choose to ignore him and push him away and say, I don't care, I'll do what I want to do. Sin will separate you from God. Turn to your neighbor and say, sin separates. Yeah, it does. Sin doesn't only separate you from God, it also separates you from your fellow man. If you think about it, if you don't live within the boundaries of life, within the boundaries that God has set for us, and you break those boundaries, you're going to break relationships as you're going along. If Ben doesn't live within the boundaries of fidelity and marriage, he will break the relationship of marriage. He will break that union. Why? Because I just wanted to do my own thing. I was felt happy with doing that. Yeah, well, you breach something when you break those commands. Sin separates. It separates us from God and it separates us from each other. It's quite disgusting, really, when you think about it. If you thought about a society without sin, wouldn't that be a great place to be? Amen? All right, here's some basic truth. I'm going to read some scriptures for you. And then I'm going to get Liz to read some scriptures for us later on because I'll probably run out. So in Matthew chapter 1 verse 21. Now this is the angel and he's talking to Mary and Mary is going to conceive a child. And she says, and she shall have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will, say with me, save his people from their sins. So Jesus came, he did not come to save you from hell. You know, Jesus didn't come down and look, he said, oh boy, that's hot down there, I would hate to send Farad down there, you know, thought, you know what I'll do, I'll save Farad from hell. But Jesus didn't come to save Farad from hell. Jesus came to save Farad from sin. The thing that makes separation with him and God. The thing that separates him from his fellow man. Jesus said, I'm going to come and save you from the thing that is breaking the commandments. I'm going to save you from sin. In 1 John... Chapter 1, verses 8 to 10, we get a, a, a good talk from John about sin. He, John, John says some amazing things. Now, let me tell you a little bit about John. John is the only disciple that Jesus... This is the guy that Jesus loved a lot, and, and, and I think he was the closest friend to Jesus. John refers to himself as the one whom Jesus loved. And he was with Jesus the whole time. If, you know, um, everywhere Jesus was, you'd look and there John was walking alongside of him. So John really talks a lot about the love of God and he also talks a lot about sin. He talks about how God loves us so much and he shows how he loved God so much. He, he walked with Jesus every, when everybody ran away because they were scared of what was going to happen at the crucifixion. You no, know? when Jesus was getting tortured, John was there. He watched the whole thing. He watched him get tortured. He was there when they nailed him to the cross. He was there when they pulled him up from the cross. He stood at a distance and he came in nice and close. When, he, when Jesus was dying and saying his last breath, he looked at John. And it, John was the only disciple there. It's a good name, John. John was the only disciple there. And he looked at John. He looked at his mother and said, John, look after my mum." And he said to his mother, "Mum, look after John. So he was there. So he saw how bad sin is. He saw the punishment that was, was visited upon Jesus for our sins, and he saw the ugliness of sin in its reality. And he comes up with some very interesting statements about sin. I thought, well, that's, he would know because he stayed there the whole time. He didn't run away. He was one of the ones who stuck at it. It says in 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 to 10, if we claim that we have no sin, that we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. So this is for the people who say, oh, there's no sin, there's no right or wrong, I haven't done anything wrong. The Bible says you're fooling yourself. It says you're not living according to the truth. There's no truth there. It says if we confess our sins to him, and this is a lovely verse and one you should all remember, if we confess our sins to him, to him he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness that means if you've done something wrong and how do you know you've done something wrong where do you feel it put your hand on the thing where you feel you've done something wrong yeah that's it that's it you feel it in your conscience your conscience is that that voice of god's spirit that says you know this is not right this is right. You kind of feel this uncomfortable feeling when you're about to do the wrong thing. You might start to shake. Remember that thing you were going to do? You're going to stick and you were thinking about it doing it and you started to shake and you thought, oh, I'm so nervous. And you got a bit of a high because it was like you were going to do something. Remember the first time you stole something from a shop? Can you remember that? I don't know. Some of you may never have stole something from the shop. But those who stole something from a shop will know what I'm talking about. I was very young when I stole something from a shop, it was chocolate it was chocolate, I put it in my pocket and I walked out I could, oh, but by the excitement of stealing chocolate, you know, your heart starts to beat fast. Why well, you knew you're going to do something wrong, you know, your conscience is saying you ought not do this, you ought not do this, but I did it and I ate the chocolate and I went home and you know then at night time I lay on my bed and I lay on my bed and my mother came by my bed and I had to tell my mother that I had done something wrong. I said, "Mom, you guess what I did today." She says, "What did you do, son of mine?" She said, "I said I I I, I took some chocolate." from the shop well as I was going past I said to the man put it on the account because that was what mum would do You know, she'd pick up the chocolate or she'd pick up the groceries and she'd say to the grocery man just put it on the account and she'd take the things home and then she'd pay the account later that was from New Zealand everybody did that so i just pick up the chocolate and I said put it on the account and that wasn't really stealing but it was in a sense because I didn't have any authorization as a child to take the chocolate anyway I had to tell my mum later Because I couldn't go to sleep because my conscience was letting me know I'd done something wrong. So you do know, and no one needs to tell you, you feel it inside. You know, you can actually kill that though. You can actually stab that conscience and make it feel so nothing, so that you get a real buzz out of it. And after a while, you can just go in there and steal and it doesn't matter anymore. It's like, you know, I deserve it. You know what, everybody's making lots of money, I, can't, I haven't got a job, I'm entitled to it. And you justify it. No more conscience anymore, you just made your own rules. And so sin, says, if we claim we have no sin, we're not living according to it. But if we do know we have sin, we can come to Jesus and we can say, Lord Jesus, you know, I stole some chocolate when I was a kid. And I'm telling you about it now, will you forgive me? He says, you know, I'll forgive you for that. And I'll cleanse your heart. I'll make it clean inside so I'm not holding that against you anymore. And Then you get a nice clean conscience again. He says, if we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our heart." So he says, you can't say that you have never sinned and you can't say that you're not sinning. He says, and, but the great thing is that you can confess your sins to Jesus and he will forgive you your sins and cleanse you from those things. In 1 John chapter 2, John goes on and he says, My dear children, I'm writing this to you that you will not sin. Okay? He's saying, the reason I'm writing this to you is because I don't want you to continue to sin, that you will not sin. So he's setting us up for a condition. Now he's not unrealistic about this Because he goes on and says But if anyone does sin We, ne- we have an advocate Who's like the lawyer I suppose An advocate who pleads our case before the Father He is Jesus Christ The one who is truly righteous He says okay We know that you're going to sin He says But you know, I'm writing this so you stop it I want you to stop it Everybody turn around to your friend and say Stop it <laughs> Stop it Ben Stop it <laughs> Stop it <laughs> no. Oh, Ben. John says, "I want you to stop it." If he says that I want you to stop it, guess what, Claudia? It's possible to stop it. Everybody say it's possible to stop it. Oh, yeah, but you know, the big open lies you can't stop it, you have no control over it. It's just you just got to do what it, and just ask Jesus to forgive you later, you know? I can't I can't beat this thing it's got me it's bigger than I am it's bigger than Ben Hur you know I can't stop it it's just the way I am don't ask me to stop something the way I am you know this is me this is me I'm just that you know I'm sorry but that's it I can't stop it you know what John says stop it stop it <laughs> I like it that's a new counseling mode isn't it stop it come and see me what are you doing Stop it! (laughs) How many times do I have to say this today? You want to see see me for an hour? Sit down, and I'll say stop it for an hour. (laughs) You'll you'll get the message, I think. So he says in First John chapter three, verses four to nine: Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. Now, lawlessness is an interesting word because it means breaking down all the boundaries. You're not going to break... Law is a boundary. Boundaries are there for people's well-being. The laws of the road are there so you keep safe on the road. If you break the boundaries of road rules, then you're going to kill somebody. You know, don't drink and drive. That's a boundary. If you think, okay, I'll drink and drive, it doesn't matter. You're lawless. You're breaking down that boundary and you're going to do something that's going to hurt yourself and hurt somebody else. And that's why the... The law is backed up by the court system which says if you break the law, we're going to prosecute you for breaking the boundaries. So lawlessness or sin is lawlessness and lawlessness is sin. And you know that he was manifest, it says the Bible, John says that you know that he, Jesus, was manifest to take away our sins. And in him there was no sin because Jesus didn't break any rules. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Now I want you all to read this with me. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Well that's a big statement isn't it? Because it means that if you continue to sin then you're actually saying by your continued breaking of the rules that Jesus has put around that you don't know him and that you never knew him. Which is kind of scary language. You'd think, well, John, why would you say that? I mean, surely we want God's grace, and we want everybody to get into heaven, and we don't want everybody to feel bad about the stuff that they don't want. We just want them to just get over it, you know, and just ask Jesus to forgive them and get on with life. You know, we don't want everybody to be perfect. We just want everybody tolerant. If we could have a little bit more tolerance in church and not talk about sin, we'll get along well. Everybody can do what you like, but just don't talk about sin. But that's not what he's saying. He says if you continue to sin, you haven't even seen him. So how can you actually say we know God, we're talking about God and we kept on doing the wrong thing? You wouldn't be happy if I kept on doing the wrong thing. You wouldn't come to church on Sunday if you came to church on Sunday and Mark was, was living a double life and he was doing something on the side he shouldn't be doing. Imagine that if I was gambling every day, taking all the money from the church and gambled it every day. You wouldn't come to church and put money in the plate, would you? Where's the plate anyway? (laughs) you wouldn't come to church you think you know this is no this is not right he's a hypocrite everybody say hypocrite. hypocrite say it with some attitude hypocrite that's right people who say they do one thing but live a different way we don't like hypocrites hypocrite being a hypocrite is bad for church we want people to be real and to be sincere and to be what they are they say they are right so jesus is saying he who's whoever has Sins has neither seen him or nor known him. So if you see sin in my life, you're going to say you, you don't know anything about God, Mark. Right? Well, that's what you would think, isn't it? So he's making some very bold statements here. So here's some more bold statements. Little children, let no one deceive you. Remember, deception is a bad bad thing. You know? like if you're deceived, sometimes you don't even know it. It's bad. Whoever practices righteous is righteous so if you do the right thing you are right he says just as he is righteous just as Jesus is righteous he who sins is of the devil whoa and then wait a minute this is really horrible you're getting worse John it's not getting any better he says whoever sins he's off the devil now, the open lie is that you sin and you can keep on sinning, but you're not of the devil. You're just human. You turn to somebody saying, say, I'm just human. So I do things wrong. I'm just human. Well, John says, no, you're not just human. You're actually following the directions of the devil if you keep on sinning. So the, you are either following God's directions or you're following the devil's directions. He's saying, you know, if you keep on sinning, you're, you're of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. And then he says, for this purpose, the Son of God, Jesus, was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. So Jesus came to destroy what the devil was doing. And what was the devil doing? Making us sin. The devil was making us sin, so Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil so we would stop sinning then he says whoever has been born of God and everybody read this with me whoever has been born of God does not okay well that's just too far right there isn't it whoever has been born of God does not sin so John says I don't care it's too far let me take it even further for you he says For his seed, and he's talking about Jesus, Holy Spirit, remains in in him, in us, and he cannot sin. Everybody say, cannot sin. So what he's saying now is, is he's just gone too far. He says, when Jesus comes and lives inside of you, he says, it's not just that you will not sin. He says, you cannot sin. Well, I don't know what he's eating, but this is not where we live in. In fact, we ripped this one out of the Bible because we don't like this one because it actually exposes the open lie. The open lie has something to say like, you're going to keep on sinning and God is going to keep on forgiving. So just get on with the asking, you know. Sin that grace will abound. Sin that God can keep on forgiving you. Don't worry about it. You're just human. If you, if you stuff up, God will fix it up. Don't you worry about that. If it feels good, do it anyway. Jesus will fix it up when the bad stuff happens next week. That's essentially what we believe. That's the open light. And the hidden truth in the scripture says, you know what? When God lives in you by his Holy Spirit, his presence inside of you is so controlling. If you yield to him, he's so powerful. If you yield to him that you won't be able to sin because it will be like fighting against God who's controlling you like God who lives within you by spirit he's going to be very sad if you're doing something that's not good he's going to let you know I'm sad about it you can't keep on doing that because the sadness becomes worse and worse and worse you can't keep on sinning because you can't live with God and do that and you want to live with God You see, this is not about church on Sunday, come and do your Hail Mary, Mother of God, full of grace and truth, put some money in the plate and go away and fill your bucket of sin next week and come back and empty it again next week. Say, God bless you, you're forgiven. This is not about that. This is about walking with Jesus, walking with God, talking with God every day. And when you go to do something wrong, he says, ah, ah, don't do that. He's clenched your conscience from dead works to, to serve a living God. And you walk in relationship with him and you don't sin That's the hidden truth The open lie says sin that grace should abound There's a a gap between what we know to be the open lie And we know the hidden truth And the gap is what we do with what we know about God Well God is very gracious and God is very good Therefore I can sin and come back to him and he will forgive me That's what I know about God So, that's what I'm going to do. But if that's not what God says, we ought to be doing. Then we have to change our view to agree with God's hidden truth. So, we're going to now look at a passage of the Bible. It's a whole chapter. So, turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. Now, the thing that I want to do today, if you haven't got a Bible, you can, it'll be on the screen in front, and I want you to read along with us when we're going through this. <clears throat> we usually take, when we do a sermon, we take a passage, like a verse, and we connect it to another verse from another place, and we connect it to another verse to another place. We string all those verses together, and we talk about a topic. We talk about an idea, bringing all those verses together. Well, today I don't want to do that. I want to go to a whole chapter and I want to read through the chapter and go through the chapter verse by verse and, and, and let help you to understand what the Bible is teaching through that chapter. So at the end of this session today, at the end of the sermon today, I want you to be comfortable that you know what is being said in Romans chapter 6. Okay? So we're going to talk about Romans chapter six. Liz is going to read this verse for us because she's got a beautiful reading voice, and I don't. And I, when I, when I feel like I want to jump in, I'm going to jump in and talk to you about what's being said in this passage of scripture. So thank you, Liz. Off we go. You can, you can read along with her if you like. Okay so that's the question Remember the question was Can I keep on doing the thing that is human The thing that I like to do The thing that I know I shouldn't do But I'm doing all the time And then go back to God and say God you confess We confess our sin We we lay it before you And you'll forgive me Shall I keep on doing that Like keep on sinning in my bucket Bring my bucket to church on Sunday Tip it out And say clean the bucket And then go back next week And sin again Shall I keep on doing that Shall I keep on sinning? Well, well, surely if I keep on sinning, God is seen to be bigger because he's keeping on forgiving. So his grace is bigger. If I keep on sinning, there is a school of thought out there that says, if you really want to see the greatness of God's great in love, sin really bad. Sin the worst you can and then come to God and he will forgive you. Because when you sin bad, his grace is bigger. And He, if you want to see the bigness of God's grace, sin really badly. you want to hold that one? You like that thought? No, it's abhorrent to us, isn't it? That's not right. Should we keep on sinning, that grace should abound. The King James says, God forbid.
1: How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life.
0: So what, what Paul is actually saying there is this, you know, we had a baptismal service just a couple of weeks ago. Hmm? It was lovely to see people, uh, uh, Phil was baptised and some other people were baptised and they were showing in that act of baptism that they were identifying with the death of Jesus. So well, Phil would stand there and i say, you know, you're following Jesus for the rest of your days. And Phil said, yes, I'm going to follow Jesus, you know, for the rest of my days. He told us how Jesus, what Jesus means to him, how he's given him new life. And then we baptized him. It was like we laid him in the grave. We went down underneath the water and we held him down there until he stopped shaking and quivering. And then we pulled him back up. And in that putting him under the water, we're saying Phil's old life, the old person that does the wrong thing all the time, is going down and being buried at the bottom of the pool. There's identification with Jesus. He died for our sins. Our sins were on him. When Jesus died, my old life died with him. And then when he comes up out of the water, he comes up like a resurrection, like a new life. How many days have you been... Sorry? 14 days without a cigarette. Thank you. That's two weeks since his baptism. He put it down. He left it down there. He comes up to live a new life. That's what it's talking about. So this is the scripture that we use to explain that to you. When you have an old life... And it's buried, you come up not to live the old life again, but to live a new life, a victorious life. Just as Jesus died to sins, so you died to sins. Just as Jesus was raised from the dead to live a new life, you too have been raised from the dead to live a new life in God. It's a picture of that act. Taken and people come and watch and say, "Yep, down he goes." I becomes a new man. Now the new man happens before he actually did the baptism, but the baptism, is a, baptism is a picture of that change that took place when Jesus comes and changes our lives. Let's read on.
1: For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this. That our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin.
0: Now I want to talk to you about this. It talks about the old man, the old man. It's not talking about my father and it's not talking about me. My son calls me the old man, I might call my father the old man. That's just colloquial terms for dad. When the Bible talks about old man, it's talking about the person that you were prior to giving your life to Jesus. The person that you were that was tired and weary and heavy laden. So each one of you, if you've come to a personal relationship with Jesus, will have... An understanding of what life was like before you came to Jesus. What was like life before you came to Jesus like? Well, I was into drugs and I was into alcohol and I was into women and I was into music and I was into a whole lot of stuff. I was into myself. I was into fighting. I was into fighting. what? A, what, a, what was that old man like? That old man was so self-willed, so angry. You know, I remember talking to Liz before she gave her heart to Jesus. And I, said, I started talking about God. And you, what did you say to me? You said, don't talk to me about God.
1: Yeah, I think I said, I'm angry with him.
0: I'm angry with God. You see, for, for Liz, the old person was somebody who was not at peace with God, but was angry at God. So that's the old person. So the old person was crucified with Christ. That the body of sin, now this is, grab yourself like this. This is the body of sin. It's your body. The Bible says it's the meat of sin. It's like your body. That's where most of your desires come from, here. And here something comes and lures you, and here you feel, ah, temptation. You know, the temptation to pull you into sin. It's luring, it's alluring, it's, it's asking, it's enticing you to get into sin. He says that's going to be done away with. Now the word done away with is a very interesting word. Here's what it says in the Blue Letter Bible. How many people have got the Blue Letter Bible on their computer? This is the sort of thing you can find in the Blue Letter Bible. So this is the word destroyed. The word done away with means destroyed. So we're talking about this, what you'd say, controlling part of your life, which is controlling towards sin. Now, remember I said, who's got a sinful nature here? Put your hand up. What's a sinful nature? A a part of me on the inside is like a black dog, and there's another part that's like a white dog. And the black dog goes for the bad things, and the white dog goes for the good things. There's a fight on the inside between the black dog and the white dog. Who's got a black dog? Put your hand up high if you've got a black dog on the inside. All right. This Bible tells me that the black dog has been shot. Now, you might, not, you might not say that that's your experience. You might say, well, I'd like to think that the black dog has been shot, but I felt the black dog barking this morning, and I'm sure the black dog was growling. And when I was looking at that thing, the black dog was saying, go for it. But the Bible says that the black dog has been done away with. It's no longer there. All you have is a mind to remember what the black dog used to say, but the black dog is gone now. Now that's an interesting idea, done away with. It means to render idle. Now look, we, had a, 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 we went to Grace's place the other day on a Friday night to, to go to the, um, to the English tutoring class. And when we were outside the place, I, I turned the motor off and left the lights on. And then I turned the car back on and it went tick, 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 tick. We had a flat battery. The battery had been done away with. It was rendered idle. It, 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 it couldn't start the van up anymore. So when it's done away with, when the Bible says that your black dog, your sinful nature has been done away with, it's telling us that it's unemployed, it's inactive, it's inoperative. It cannot work any longer. It's not, it's not working on you any longer. You might remember what you used to do. You might feel it, but it has no power to start the engine. Can't start the engine. If that's the truth, then temptation, its teeth has been ripped right out. You give power to temptation. It doesn't have power over you. You give it the power. If you say, no, I will resist, then you will discover that the black dog can't control you. But if you say, oh, gee, I like that, um, mm, let me play with that. Oh, yeah, I like that, that's really good. Mm, I'm feeling that now, I'm just really feeling that now. Oh, yeah, I'm just really having that, you know. That really is having strong feelings on me now. And I'm feeling kind of drawn to that now. You know what you done? you gave it permission. You gave it permission to have that effect on you. Because if you resisted it, you could stop it and it would have no power over you because it's been taken away. You see, that's what you're not told. What you're told is you can't resist it because you're human. You just got to say sorry after you've done it. You're told that the pain of being tempted is too strong for you to resist. But that's not true. I know it's not true because I could distract you at the point of temptation. and know that that distraction would take you away from the temptation. You could be sitting and looking at a chocolate bar and saying, Oh, the chocolate bar, the chocolate bar, the chocolate bar. And you could be sitting there and saying, I've got to eat the chocolate bar, the chocolate bar, the chocolate bar. My eyes are on the chocolate bar, the chocolate bar, the chocolate bar. And you're looking, and you get just cocked in there. I've got to sniff the chocolate bar, the chocolate bar. And you get sniffing the chocolate bar. The chocolate bar is so... And you're be sitting trembling now because you know I can't eat the chocolate bar, but you're trembling because you're you're drooling in the chocolate bar. Look at it and saying, eat me, eat me and then I walk into the room and say there's a fire in the house get out there you'd drop the chocolate bar and you'd run away why? because you're distracted straight away something else comes in there bang! cuts it right across you you're distracted straight away and the temptation is gone immediately you're going to be sitting driving the car driving it out and your mind is away doing things it shouldn't do and another car cuts you off and bang! straight away you've stopped your wrong thinking and you're thinking right thoughts now boy I nearly had an accident Oh, it's got no teeth, that thing All you have to do is say Get lost and the thing will ru-. It's not there It's been disempowered The Bible says it's ceased It's passed away It's done away It's to be severed It's separated from Discharged from You've loosed from it It's been taken out of you You just got the mind of it there But it's not there any longer It can't control you anymore That's the truth That's the hidden truth It's not there the open lies, you can't resist it. But the hidden truth is you can. You've got to choose to. Read on.
1: For the if last part. We, for if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin.
0: So, So the reason why he's telling you that the black dog was taken away is that you don't have to live being controlled by the dog. It's been taken out. That we should, everybody read it with me, no longer be slaves of sin. It's been taken away that we should be no longer slaves to sin. That means if you're not a slave to sin, it means you are free from it. The word free from means that you are justified. You're made clean. You're made right. You're no longer controlled by it. you declared righteous. Listen to what he says now.
1: Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Now, just
0: this whole idea of being dead to something. We had our our mother-in-law stay with us and she died with us. She stayed with us and we looked after her. She had cancelled, terminate Terminal cancer. And then one night, uh, as we're looking after, I think Nathan came home and he looked in at Nana and he said, Nana's not here any longer. She's died. So she came and woke up, Mum and Jen and I, and we went in there and we both looked at it and said, You know, would you like to have a cup of tea, Nana? Didn't say anything. Now she didn't want to have a cup of tea. Can I tickle you? Could you, could you, could you? No didn't want to be tickled well she was dead you know what dead looks like i can jump around about her jump up and down on her tickle her brush her do anything you like to her and she ain't going to respond you know why she's not going to respond she's dead and it uses that picture to show us what we've got to do with sin when it comes to knocking at our door It's got to be dead to it. So if sin comes crawling up to John and John's decided to follow Jesus and he's not going to have a bar of it, he's got to be dead to it. So it comes saying, hey, John, you, you can do whatever you like. If you're dead, you're not going to get a response. The problem is that we don't think that we are dead. We feel something on the inside and we think something on the inside and we think because I feel something and I think something, that must mean that I am alive. The black dog is alive. Well, it's not alive. It's dead. So all you have to do is turn your back on it and walk away from it and it can't control you any longer. It can't talk to you any longer. It can't control you because it's dead. That's the picture of dead. Dead is dead. You can't make something dead alive. If it's dead, it's dead. I know she was dead. When we lifted her to put her on the trolley, we dropped her. She didn't say, ouch. She was dead. She didn't feel a thing. I felt bad. She was dead. Listen to what it says in the red.
1: Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So
0: now he's actually using the word reckon. Now the word reckon is so simple. Reckon means put one and one together to come up with two. Okay, One plus one equals two. He says, so, he says, if you're dead with Christ, that you live alive with Christ, he says, then you are free from sin. So it's one plus one equals two. He says, reckon yourself to be dead to sin. So that's the choice. That's something you're choosing in here. Put your finger on your forehead. And put it right between your eyes Like that You know where your problem lies? It lies between your ears Your major problem Is not what's coming at you Knocking at your door Your major problem lies right there Between your ears It's what you think And if what you think is not right, then that's how it's got you. If you believe in the open lie, that's why you do the thing all the time. If you believe the truth, the hidden truth, that God has made it dead, it doesn't matter what you feel like, just be dead. Just be dead. Dead doesn't respond to it. You can stand there and say, come on, baby, you know you want me. But dead does not respond to it. You can have somebody flap around in front of you and say, hey, you like what I'm doing here? Yeah, why and not you think this thing? But dead does not respond to it. You see, you don't think you're dead. You don't think that you have power. You don't think that you can have victory. And because you don't think it, you don't have it. Because you are the problem. The problem's between your ears. It's what you think. You believe the hidden, you believe the open lie rather than the hidden truth. That's the problem. It's always the problem. Listen to what he says.
1: Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey in its lusts.
0: Okay. Listen to this word obey. I I, I had a look at the word obey. So what does it mean to obey the lusts that come? Well, what is lust? It's a strong desire. So you feel those things, you know. He says Therefore, do not let sin reign, which is like a king ruling and reigning. He said, don't let sin control you like a king over your mortal body, which is your physical body, that you should obey its lust. Now, the word obey is an interesting word because it means to open the door to. That's what the word obey means, to open the To, be, to stand in your house, have someone knock at the door and think, I better open the door. Now, Paul McCartney Sang a song some years ago. Some of you may remember this. Someone's knocking at my door. Somebody's ringing the bell. Do me a favor. Let him come in. Oh. That was the whole song. You heard that song before? Who hasn't ever heard that song? Who has heard that song?
1: You want to go and listen to it.
0: Paul McCartney was one of the Beatles. Someone's knocking at my door. Someone's ringing the bell. Do me a favor, let him in. Oh, that was the whole song. That was the lyrics of the whole song. Yeah, But listen to me. There's a subtlety here. Someone's knocking at the door. Let them come in. Someone's ringing the bell. Do me a favor, let them in. The Bible tells me in Revelation chapter 3 that Jesus stands at the door and knocks and says, Will you open the door and let me come in and sup with you? I'd say, yeah, for sure, open the door, let him in and sup with him, learn to live in a relationship with Jesus. But you know, there's a lot of things sitting at the door. And when Paul McCartney sang that song, he was talking to a generation that was sort of closed with perspectives that were narrow. And he was saying, you know what, whatever it is, open it up and just do it. Do whatever you want to do. Open the door, let it come in. So you want to try that? Just open the door, let it come in. It doesn't matter what it is. Open the door, let it come in. And he opened up people's lives just for that one song. They kept on singing it over. Someone's knocking at the door. Someone's ringing the bell. Just do me a favor, open it up and let me come in. And you know what? That's what sin does. It comes knocking at your door. It says, come on now. I'm knocking at the door. When you get tempted, what are you hearing? You're hearing the knock of sin. You're hearing the knock and said, gee, I feel like I want something. Yeah, I feel like I want to do something. It's knocking at the door. Do me a favor, says Paul McCartney, open the door and let me come in. You know what the Bible tells us? Send Jesus to the door. You're dead. You can't get out of that chair and open the door to sin. Don't let it come in. Now either this is true and we are living a lie or that's a lie and our experience is the truth. You've got to choose which one that is because you've got to choose whether you want to live in failure for the rest of your life, living in sin for the rest of your life and miss out on life for the rest of your life. Or you've got to agree with the hidden truth that says you really do have power over sin. You know, Jesus inside you gives you power over sin and you can turn away from it if you choose to. Either the word of God is a lie And we are living the truth Our experience is the truth Or our experience is a lie And the word of God is true And we need to change our experience To agree with the word of God So what do you want? You know why is it some people can just say turn away from stuff and They just break it and say Oh yeah but they're not chemically addicted like I am It doesn't matter The chemical addiction doesn't matter You can go through cold turkey you know you can, you can still survive and not watch TV, you know. You know you, I know you really want to, but you can actually say no to TV. You can actually turn it off and never, never look at it again. I can't imagine life without a TV. I feel, I feel like I'm getting, yeah, you, you, you feel the withdrawal symptoms of not watching TV if you've been watching TV for five or six hours a day. You will feel the withdrawal because it's the same addictive thing as heroin. It's the same sort of thing you go through. It's addictive. But you know what? You do have the power to say no. And you don't need a chemical from a doctor to help you to get over it. You just need to stop it. Turn to your neighbor and say, stop it. It's just just simple, you know. If I'm smoking, then I need to take my cigarettes. If I know that I... God doesn't want me to smoke. I need to look at them and say, not one last one for the road. Not this packet and then. I need to take him, screw him up, and chuck him. And then say, I'm dead to that from now on. And somebody will come to you very next day and say, you want a cigarette? Have a cigarette. And you need to give them the... The no dog home thing, you know, I'm sorry buddy, I'm not interested, I'm out of here. This is not, you're not, you're talking to the wrong man, I'm not alive to that anymore. And it might be tough for a couple of weeks as you're going through some addiction withdrawals, but your body's strengthened, God God is smiling at you, he's not frowning at you, you're going for it now because you have the power of God inside of you to say no to sin. You either believe that or you believe a lie. I can't ever get over this. I've got to put that dummy in my mouth all days and suck it. You've got to make a choice in your mind. Is what God said right or what I'm feeling right? Because if I keep on going on what I'm feeling, I will never be free. But if I put my faith in the word of God and trust the word of God... I will be free. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free," Jesus says. You will know the truth, you will experience the truth, and the truth will set you free. You know You want a, your experience to be feeling different.'t your experience will not feel different. The word of God is true. Just agree with it and get on with it. Say no to sin, stop it. i 'm serious. it's as easy as that. doesn't feel easy, Mark doesn't have to feel easy just remember this when sin comes knocking at your door and ringing your bell do me a favour and don't open the door don't let it come in walk away stop it you don't need to do it you are power on the inside Jesus rose from the dead with resurrection power you rise up and say no to sin that's your choice. That's where the problem lies. right between your eyes. you believe the lie and not the truth. When you believe the truth and not the lie, you will walk free. You want to be free. I want you to be free. You don't have to live with that thing. Be controlled by that thing, that thing. It's got no power of you. It's not Jesus doesn't control you what else does he say there
1: and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God for sin shall not have dominion over you for you are not under law but under grace
0: you see he says that the sin shall not have dominion or control over you He says, don't take the members of your body to do the thing that you know you shouldn't do. So here's a bottle of bottle of booze here, sitting here in front of me, you know. So you know, I'm sitting there and I'm looking at somebody put the booze in my fridge. I have no idea. It must be somebody else's, but I'm feeling like I want a drink, you know. So I'm looking there. You know, what do I have to do to have a drink? Tell me, what do I have to do? I have to take the hand? I have to put it on there. I have to hold it with my hand. What else do I have to do? I have to take this other hand and undo it like this. Then what else do I have to do? I have to go, oh, this and that. That's what I have to do. All of those actions coming from somebody who doesn't believe that they're dead, who believes that they're alive. He says, do not give your body as members to the unrighteous thing. You want me to smoke? Well, jump into my mouth. And smoke it for me because I ain't going to pick it up with my fingers. And I'm not going to light it with my other hand. It's going to have to jump into my mouth, light itself before I'll smoke it because I'm not touching it. I'm stopping it. You won't get drunk if you refuse to pick up a bottle. You won't get drunk if you refuse to go to the fridge. You won't get drunk if you refuse to go to the store and put one in your fridge. You won't get drunk if you stop what you're doing with your hands. I just want to stand there and I want to touch you. Can I touch you? I know it's not proper and it's a little bit immoral, but I'd like to just put my hand upon you and touch you. Well, stop it. It's better you chop your hand off than you do that. Friend, listen to me. The problem that you have is that you do not make your body subjected to the truth. You put your body and make it subjected to your feelings. So because you're feeling something, rather than telling the devil to buzz off because you're not opening the door, you go with your hand and you open the door. You open the door and say, come on in. If you chose not to use your body to do it, you wouldn't do it. If you said, I'm sorry, I can't actually use my hand to drink I can't actually use my hand to smoke because my hand was nailed to the cross with Jesus and that other hand was nailed to the cross with Jesus and I can't really think about this anymore because there was a crown of thorns that was put on my head and that's just, I'm not going to think about this anymore. I stopped thinking about the cigarette. I won't take my hand and put it there. I won't take my other hand and put it there. I'm not going to use my body to smoke. How can you smoke and keep on smoking if you stop using your body to smoke? Tell me, how can you do that? You can't. Well, I'll feel, feel like I want a cigarette. Yep, you will. Yep, you will. Someone will be knocking at your door. Someone will be ringing your bell. But do not let them come in. They will go away because you are not opening the door. It's as simple as that. The problem is between your eyes because you do not believe you have power. You think it will control you. You think you can't say no. And that's the problem. Jesus said it's dead. It's dead. It's dead. It's dead. And you make it alive because you choose to put life there. Jesus does not make it alive. He tells you it was crucified with him. It was dead. He says, Do not use the members of your bodies to do the wrong thing. Use the members of your body to do the right thing. I really feel like I want to drink. You know what? I'll get to my Bible. I'll get my Bible and I'll read it. Well, that's just the well, that's not the Bible. Well, I'm just thinking bad thoughts all the time. I'll just use my mind to pray now. I'm probably going to pray for Steve. And what's going on in Steve's life? Well, that's not using your mind to think about bad stuff. You see, all the options are there for you to, to be victorious. But the problem is you don't believe that they work. And because you don't believe that they work, you don't use them. And because you don't use them, you are still caught where you shouldn't be caught. You are still stuck Where you shouldn't be stuck You are still doing The thing you shouldn't be doing You are still telling me that Grace must abound to cover my sin When Jesus says Stop it Stop it It's simple Just stop it Read on
1: What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin you became slaves of righteousness. Now
0: I want you to draw your attention to this idea that it says that you obeyed from the heart the doctrine that you had been given. So what I've been actually telling you is something, it's a teaching, it's teaching you. I'm trying to teach you something from the Word of God. You either accept this in your heart and say, this is what the Word of God says and I accept that and let's move on. Or you don't accept it. It says if you obeyed from the heart the form of doctrine which you had delivered, then you would take what I'm telling you and you would exercise it. You would actually do it. So if you had things that you know you shouldn't have, you'd chuck them away and you wouldn't go back and buy any more. You, you would get rid of that phone number of the people that you, you get that stuff from. You'd delete that out of your thing so you had no phone number. You would cut off all ties and associations with the people that you shouldn't have ties and associations which lead you down the wrong path. You would set your gaze toward God and set your gaze toward what he wants you to do and you would begin to walk that walk. And even though everything else inside of you was screaming at you, you would obey the teaching from the heart, you say, This is the road to freedom. I'm on the road to freedom now. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm just stopping now. Today I'm stopping. It's it, it's last. I don't care what I go through this week, I'm stopping it today. It's not having me any longer. I'm free from this now. Inside I'm free, and I obey the teaching. If you did that, you would be free. You would be free. You would discover that you are free.
1: I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of un- and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? Well,
0: What, what, good, would, what, what good came out of the stuff that you're doing? You know? Can you think of anything good that came out of the life in which you lived which was debauched and broken before God? What good did the smoking ever do for you? What good did the alcohol ever do for you? What good did the drugs ever do? What, did, what good did the immoral sex bring you? Well, tell me, can you tell me what good you, you, you got out of that? You got no good out of it. It just broke you down. You just busted and broken in life because of all of that stuff. It was no good in it. It was just, it, it broke your health down and it broke your life down. It kept on breaking, you're breaking, you're breaking. There was nothing good in it. And he said, well, He says, why then would you stay with that? It's only going to kick you some more. Why would you stay there? He asks you the question. What fruit did you have then in the things which you are now ashamed? He said, what good came out of it? But now,
1: but now, But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness.
0: And let's stop there. He says, having been, past tense, set free from sin. Uh, you know, well, I have not. Free, I'm not free from my dr- cigarettes yet. You know, no, 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 no. That's not what the truth tells me. The truth tells me you have been set free from sin. Get it right here between your eyes. You have been set free. It doesn't need to hold you. you don't need to be. Count- you don't need to be bound by that. You have been set free. That's the truth. Whether you feel like it or not, the truth is true. God is true and every man a liar. I don't care what you're feeling, the truth is truth. If you step into the truth, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Having been set free, what are you going to call yourself? Chained or free? Ask yourself the question, are you free or are you chained? Your choice, because if you're chained, you're going to be chained for some more time. But if you're free, you're going to step into freedom right today. And you're going to step in and keep on walking in freedom. And you're going to not take your body to do anything that has to do with being chained up. You've got to keep on walking in freedom. And you're going to get used to walking in freedom. And you will never sin because God's Spirit dwells within you and He will keep you from it if you keep walking with Him. Now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God. I want to be God's slave. I don't want to be... Look, you want me to be a slave to the bottle or you want me to be a slave to Almighty God who created the heavens and the earth? What's the choice? There is no choice really, is there? Think about it. (laughs) Slave to the cigarette or slave to God who made the heavens and the earth? Which one would you rather be slave to? And then he says, for the wages and read with me, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. see, if you keep on doing the sinful thing, the Bible tells us that you are earning wages that will end in your death. We know that it's certainly true in terms of doing the sinful thing, sinning against your body. You can get some bad things happen to you, you'll get physically ill if you keep on doing immoral things or if you keep on doing crazy things that are, are wrong you'll get sick we know that's true fearful and worry all the time you'll get cancer or something inside you. there's lots and lots of things that are associated with fear and worry and anxiety and those things that, you know there's so many chains that the devil wants to wrap around you so many but you really have to ask yourself the question Who do you want to control your life? If you want to keep on earning wages for sin, that will result in death and it will be eternal death. But Jesus has an opportunity for you. You can stand up and say, you know what? I want to change the one who's controlling my life. I'm tired of doing the wrong thing and having the wrong thing happen to me continuously. I don't want to be chained by that stuff anymore. I'm going to step up and say, Jesus, you take control of my life. I want new life in you. That's your choice That should be your choice today You could stand up and say You know what I've had being controlled by stuff I want to be dead on the inside to that And alive to Jesus I want to stop building up wages For sin And start building up wages for righteousness What are you wanting? friend? Just bow your head and close your eyes Now this has been a confronting sermon, I think. Because you had to confront some of the things that you let go on and on in your life for a long, long time. And those things, they tell you that you've got no control or power over them. But that's just not the truth. Because Jesus says that have been broken. That's been broken. That it, it was put to death when Jesus was put to death. And that you can walk in a new life now. Now, that may not be your experience today, but you want it to be your experience tomorrow. And I want you to put your hand up to now. That's not been your experience in the past week, but you want it to be your experience in the coming week. I want to walk in a new life this coming week. I want you to put your hand up, and I want to pray for you. Okay. Well, to do that, we have to ask Jesus to cleanse us from our sins. Get it all away and so that we can begin to walk a new life. We have to ask Jesus to forgive us for our sins. We have to ask the Holy Spirit to come and live within our hearts so that he can start to direct our footsteps. So to do that, I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus. That's right, you pray it out loud. Dear Lord Jesus. Thank you for speaking to my heart. I ask you to come into my life and to cleanse me from my sin. Forgive me from the things that have separated us. Lord, I ask you to cleanse me from those things. live inside my life Holy Spirit I ask you to come in I ask you to help me to stop it to turn away from the devil that knocks on my door help me to walk with you Jesus and to walk in rightness from this day on in Jesus name Amen Father I pray for those who've indicated that they want to walk in a new life with you Holy Spirit would you just take them right now and fill them to overflowing with yourself Lord by your spirit take them from today and lead them and guide them and teach them and Lord pour out upon them everything that they need for life and godliness and the knowledge of Jesus Lord untouch them Father in the name of Jesus strengthen them In Jesus' mighty name, that they walk with you from this day on. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.